It's a joy to see every one of you here. Would you open your Bible to Psalm 142? <clears throat> Psalm 142. And I have felt impressed to bring a message that I have preached here before. But like an old hymn that means a lot, I believe God can use this in our hearts today. Psalm 142, verse 4. May we bow together in prayer, please. Our Father, we thank Thee for this time together to proclaim the Word of God and to sing Your beautiful songs of praise. We thank Thee for every person who has come into the congregation, those in the auditorium, and those who have joined us by radio. We pray Thou wilt meet needs, and may the Holy Spirit draw by the bands of God's love precious people to Jesus and put compassion in our hearts over the lostness of souls. Oh God, look into our hearts and cleanse us and may the word be open to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 142, verse 4. You recognize this as a psalm of David when he was being pursued by Saul? He was in a cave, and he was afraid. And verse 4 reflects that when he says, I looked on my right hand and beheld. But there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. We're living in a day when most people think about themselves. Very few take seriously the fact related in Genesis that we are our brother's keeper. We go up and down the land today and find men and women, boys and girls, afraid to go on. They're fighting for existence, but fear grips their hearts. And like David of old, they look on their right hand and on their left and refuge fails them and they cry out, nobody really cares. Nobody cares whether I live or die. Nobody cares whether I go to heaven or go to hell. Who really cares? When I was in the seminary in Louisville, I was downtown one day and met an old man. His name was Henry. And I saw him in a department store, lean across the department store counter and say to the lady that was waiting on him, Miss, it doesn't make any difference whether I live or die. Nobody will miss me when I'm gone. I learned later, two or three weeks, that that man died. One person came to his funeral. Several years ago here in Bowling Green, one Christmas, Christmas Eve, I was called by the funeral director. 
They said, we have an old man that died. He didn't have any friends, just, just his wife. He's in his late 80s. She's about 82 or 83. And they don't have any people here. They don't have any family. They don't have any friends. And the wife wondered if you could have the funeral Christmas morning. I went in there and stood by that casket. The man had lived here in Bowling Green. My own heart was shot through with regret that somehow I hadn't found him. I didn't know whether he was a Christian or not. At that funeral, only his wife was there. And the funeral director came in and sat down so she wouldn't be quite so lonely. Who cares? Who cares whether men live or die? Who cares whether people are lonely? Who cares about the sorrows, the hurts of others? David said, I looked on my right hand and beheld, refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. A number of years ago, I worked with the Home Mission Board in Washington. And one, we were building, we were organizing a church in Richland, Washington. And I was out getting some boys and girls to come to a Bible school. And on the way that morning, I passed an Oriental boy and I, he was selling newspapers and I bought a newspaper. And then I invited him to Bible school. And that little boy said, Mr. What's a Bible school? Well, I said, that's where we study about Jesus and how to go to heaven when we die. And that little boy right here in America said, Mr., who is Jesus? I was in a revival meeting on the Ohio River right here in Kentucky several years ago. And one afternoon I went out visiting and behind the house there were some children playing. There was a little fellow named Bernie had old tattered clothes on and no shoes. And uh, I invited all the kids to come to the revival meeting. And that little boy came up and he said, Mr., my name's Bernie. He said, I ain't never been to a revival meeting. What do you do at that? Well, I said, a revival meeting is where we study about Jesus and how to go to heaven when we die. And that little boy said, Mr., who is Jesus? When I was in college at Union University, I served a church in Selmer in Savannah, Tennessee, down on the Tennessee River. We were having a revival meeting. Went out one afternoon to visit and urge people to come to the revival meeting. I went to the home of a young couple. The husband wasn't home. The lady was there. She was about 23 years old. And I had my Bible with me, and when she opened the door, I said, I want to invite you to our revival meeting. And she said, well, mister, I'm not going to come to your revival meeting, but you can come in and talk about this, whatever you're going to talk about, but I just want to tell you in advance, I'm not interested and I'm not coming. Well, I went in, and I showed her from the Bible about how to be saved, and she just said, I'm not interested, I'm not coming. 
And I got up to leave. Just as I got ready to go out the door, she said, now, now, wait a minute. She said, if you could get the meanest woman in this town to come to that revival meeting, I'll come. <laughs> well, I didn't know who the meanest woman in town was. I said, who is this meanest woman? She said, she's my mother-in-law. And if you can get her to come, I'll come. <laughs> well, I went and got another preacher to go with me. And I drove out this road, stopped in front of a house that looked like it hadn't been painted for 40 years. Walked up to the house, a black cat crossed in front of the house. I knocked on the door, and a little tiny crack came to the door, a little in the door, and I saw through that crack some old eyes, an old wrinkled face looking out at me. And I said, my name is Richard Oldham. I'm from the Baptist church. Bang, went the door right in my face. Well, I left. Felt a little bit discouraged and defeated. But God put that woman on my heart. Months went by and it was cold weather. I drove back out there. Went up and knocked on the door again. And in those days, I was a little bit bold. And when that little crack came in the door, I stuck my foot in the crack. And I said, I'm Richard Oldham, and I want to come in and talk to you about Jesus. And I just pushed the door open. She didn't say anything. She went over and sat down behind a pot-bellied stove. I took my Bible, drew up a chair, and sat down beside her. And the best way I knew how, I showed her from the Bible how God loved her and wanted to save her. She didn't say anything. She just looked into that stove, just looked. Not a word did she say. Finally, after a while, I got down on my knees on that old floor. I asked God to save her and to help her understand that people did care, loved her. I got up. She didn't say anything. She just sat there looking in the chair at the stove. And I left. But God kept her on my heart. Months went by. It was springtime. I drove out that road again. And, and, and as I got near the house, I saw her sitting out on the front porch in her swing. I parked the car and got out and ran up that, that little path and went over and sat down beside her in the swing. And I put my arm up around her and opened my Bible and put it in her lap. Her name was Nettie Williams. I said, Ms. Williams, I've come to talk to you about Jesus. And I want to tell you that God loves you and I love you. And God so loved the world and I put her name in there. God so loved Nettie Williams that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I saw a tear trickle down through the wrinkles and fall on my Bible. It wasn't very long until that old lady who had spent 83 years living for the devil opened her heart to Jesus. God saved her. We had the joy of seeing her follow Jesus in baptism. I went on back to the seminary. By that time, I'd gone to the seminary in Louisville. I was driving 385 miles every weekend, each way. <clears throat> I got a call. Nettie Williams has gone to heaven. She left word asking if you would preach her funeral. I drove back down there. And at the church that day, the place was packed and jammed. 
If any of you have ever been through Savannah and you've seen the First Baptist Church, it was packed and jammed that day. And sitting over here were some of her, her family. They told me that her life had so dramatically changed that people had begun to notice something was different about Nettie Williams at the funeral that day. One of her, two of her grandsons were saved and one of them surrendered to preach. He's preaching today in Hardin County, Tennessee. Now what am I trying to say to you? I'm saying there are people living all around us. There are people walking all around us and they look on their right hand and their heart cries out, refuge fails me. No man cares for my soul. Nobody really cares whether I live or die, whether I go to heaven or go to hell. Thomas Gray, walking through a country churchyard one day, took pen in hand and wrote as he stood beside an unmarked mound. Perhaps in this neglected spot has laid some heart once pregnant with celestial fire, hands that the rod of empire might have swayed or waked to ecstasy the living lyre. What was he saying? He was saying buried in this grave is somebody who died a nobody to God, but it could have been a somebody had someone cared. Had someone gone to them with compassion, with care, with love, with intense interest, and tried to awaken in that heart a spiritual fire, a spiritual concern. I believe there are people all around Warren County and all across Bowling Green who have died nobodies to God, strangers to the commonwealth of faith, never going to heaven, lost for all eternity because I didn't care enough, because you didn't care enough, because somehow in these years I have not been able to lay upon the hearts of God's people at this place a burdened soul, a heart cry to see souls born into the kingdom of God. Who really cares? Who cares whether men live or die, go to heaven or go to hell? Well, I want to tell you, the Sunday amusement crowd don't care. They don't care whether men live or die, go to heaven or go to hell. They go out there and spend all day Sunday making Sunday, God's holy day, a fun day. They don't care whether men live or die, go to heaven or go to hell. The ones who guzzle their beer and drink their whiskey, they don't care whether men live or die, go to heaven or go to hell. All they want is some satisfaction or some craving within or to drown their problems instead of realizing that there are people all around them with more problems than they've got and pouring their lives into their problems. They don't care. And the crowd that spends the night on a dance hall floor having a loopity loop all night, they don't care whether men live or die, go to heaven or go to hell. And those who sit around sucking their cigarettes and playing their bridge, those ladies on, in the afternoons thinking they don't have anything else to do, they don't care whether men live or die, go to heaven or go to hell. Who cares? I ask you that today. Who cares? Maybe you've asked that question yourself. Maybe you're one of those lonely persons. Maybe you've wondered in your soul, does anybody care about me? Well, I want to tell you, this book says God cares about you. And I'm so glad I have some good news to give you today. The Bible tells us that God cares. God loves you. The Bible says in the beginning, God made man in his own image. There was no sin in man's mind or life to mar the image of God. Man was created in the image of God. There was purity, holiness, righteousness. 
until one day Satan came along and tempted Eve and she in turn tempted Adam and together they went into sin and God's law says the wages of sin is death the soul that sinneth it shall die and God is about to pronounce judgment when his son comes and says father let me go and take their place in death let me go pay the price for their sin there was none other good enough to pay the price for sin he only could unlock the door of heaven and let us in Jesus there was an old Jewish tradition that said when God got ready to make man the angel of truth came before the throne of God and said God create man not for and thou hast created him his mouth will be filled with lies hypocrisies the angel of purity came before the throne of God and said O God create man not for when thou hast created him his life will be filled with all kinds of impurity and immorality the angel of mercy came and said O God create man for when his mouth is filled with lies and hypocrisies and his body is filled with immoralities and impurities I'll go and I'll take him by the hand and I'll lead him safely back to you the angel of mercy personifying Jesus, God's only son who cares. Man deserved death, but God loved. And this book says not only does God the Father care, but God the Son cares over our souls. He cares with an inf infinite love that's beyond my ability to tell you about today. How much does he love? <coughs> I wish somehow I could convey to you the love that Jesus has. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, Paul said in Philippians 2, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That's how much Jesus loved. I'd like to find the founders of some of the religions of the world and bring them to this pulpit. I'd like to find the founder of Buddhism. Bring Buddha here. How much does Buddha care? How much does Buddha love? I stood in Korea and in Japan and saw people go and stand before the big Buddhas and they'd ring the bell and they'd put a little offering and they'd ring the bell and I said to the guide, why are they ringing the bell? Oh, they said they're ringing the bell to get Buddha's attention. Buddha just sits there. He doesn't care. He's been dead all these years I'd like to find the leader of Mohammedanism in the year 500 Mohammed had walked across the earth leading his insurrection against Christianity against Judaism I'd like to find that man find out how much he cares about souls he went out and killed thousands and thousands of people and those who follow in his train Khomeini and the others are doing it in his name killing people who won't come under their banner. But Jesus, Jesus meekly went to the cross. He who knew no sin became sin for us. They nailed those nails in his hands. They put that awful thorn on, crown on his brow and the blood trickled down his cheeks and they flogged his back and they pulled his beard and they put him up between heaven and earth on that old cross. Such awful indignity to the creator of the world. The great creator became my savior. 
And he did it all because he loved and cared and he looked into the face of God the Father and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus cares over the souls of men. Oh, how much he cares. He cares. Safe were the ninety and nine in the fold. Safe though the night was stormy and cold. But said the shepherd, when counting the more, one sheep is missing. There should be one more. The shepherd went out to search for his sheep. And all through the night on the rocky steep, he sought till he found him. With love bands he bound him. And I was that one lost sheep. Jesus cares. And he wants to lift us close to his bosom. I wish I could find some of those who knew Jesus in the days of his flesh. That woman that was taken in adultery, you remember her. They dragged her and threw her down at Jesus' feet. And they said, now Moses in his law says she ought to be stoned. What do you say? And Jesus stooped down and wrote in the sand. I don't know what he wrote. Maybe he wrote with x-ray perception what was in their hearts, all the sins of their hearts, their lust and pride and all that. Maybe he wrote the Ten Commandments. I don't know what he wrote, but he stood up in a few moments. He said, let him that is without sin cast the first stone. And they all went away. And Jesus said to that woman, where are your accusers? No man, Lord. And our dear Lord said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Jesus loved. There was love coming out of his heart for somebody who was destitute, who was despised, who was despicable, who was caught in the very act of sin. And yet Jesus' love reached out and rescued her and lifted her. That's how much Jesus loves. And he loves you today. Whoever you are, he cares about you. In your loneliness, in your hurt, in your despair, in your discouragement, in your guilt, in your sin, he loves you. And he wants to lift you out of the sinking sands of self. But not only does God the Father care, God the Son care, but this book says God the Holy Spirit cares. In a way that's beyond my imagination, the Bible says, and when he has come, speaking of the Holy Spirit, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because you believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit cares like the hound of heaven. I'll show you how much he cares. How many in this room this morning remember the day of your salvation? Now listen, I'm not trying to embarrass anybody, but how many of you could say, I put my faith in Jesus and received him as my personal Savior the very moment I realized I was lost. The first time God ever spoke to me, that's the day I gave my heart to Jesus. Lift your hand. I just see one hand. How many of you would have to say with me, he stood at my heart's door mid sunshine and rain and patiently waited an entrance to gain? I didn't receive him at once. The Holy Spirit, like the hound of heaven, had to come again and again and again and knock at my heart's door until finally, in a quiet place, I met my master face to face. If that's your testimony, slip your hand up. That's mine too. Beloved, 
the Holy Spirit is like the hound of heaven. He cares. He cares. He cares about you, whoever you are, whatever your condition. He cares. That's the reason you're here today. The Holy Spirit brought you. You may say, well, I came because my folks invited me or a family invited me or somebody else invited me. No, listen, the reason you're here, the Holy Spirit cares about you and he arranged circumstances and he caused that person to invite you and he caused there to be a willingness in your heart to say, yes, I'll come. So you could hear this message today about how much God loves you. The Holy Spirit cares about you. But this book says also, not only does God the Father care, and God the Son care. Not only does God the Holy Spirit care, but listen, I don't know how to explain this, but the Bible says in Luke 16 that the damned in hell care over the souls of men. The scripture says, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and he saw Father Abraham afar off, and he cried out, O Father Abraham, send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I'm tormented in these flames. And there came a voice from the other world, Son, remember, remember <coughs> that thou in thy lifetime didst have thy opportunities. But now there's a great gulf fixed, and they cannot go from here to there, nor from there to here. And then that man in hell said, But, oh, Father Abraham, won't you send Lazarus back to earth? I have five brothers, lest they come to this awful place of torment. Please! That rich man in hell didn't have any riches anymore. He didn't have any family anymore. But somehow, deep in the depths of his soul, he knew he had five brothers back on earth who were headed to the same place, and he begged heaven to send somebody to them. And I want to say to you tonight, today, there's not a man in hell who wants his wife there. There's not a wife in hell who wants her, her husband there. There's not children in hell who want their parents there. There are not any mother and daddies in hell who want their sons and daughters to come there. The other day I talked to somebody about Jesus and they said, well, I'm going to hell with all my friends. My friend, you're not going to have any friends in hell. Everybody in hell hates each other and their chief emotion is hate. But there's one thing they would do if they could. They'd do everything impossible to come back to this earth one time to warn you, don't go to hell, don't go to hell, don't go to hell. And sometimes I wonder if the damned in hell care more than the saved in heaven, more than we on earth, more than anybody because they've been there. They've been to that awful place where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched forever lost. But the Bible tells us there's somebody else that cares. The saved in heaven care. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus said, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. More than over 90 and 9 just persons that need no repentance. There is joy in the presence of the angels of God. It doesn't say the angels rejoice. I'm sure they do. But it says there's joy in the presence of the angels of God. Who is that? I believe it's saved people who have gone on to heaven. There's a great grandstand in heaven. And God sometimes in his infinite love draws back the curtain that veils earth from heaven. And there's a great arena. Maybe they're having a great convocation or an assembly and they're singing the praises of the king. And Jesus says, wait a minute, wait a minute. 
down there in Bowling Green, Kentucky, they're having a service. It's Sunday morning. And I want you to look down there. In just a little while, he's going to give an invitation. And that person you prayed for is going to come accepting Christ as Savior. And when that happens, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God. Ring the bells of heaven. There is joy today for a soul returning from the wild. See the Father meets him out upon the way, welcoming his weary, wandering child. Glory, glory, how the angels sing. Glory, glory, how the loud harps ring. Tis the ransomed army, like a mighty band, pealing forth the anthem of the free. Oh, there's joy in heaven over one sinner that repents. I think the night that I gave my heart to Jesus Christ, there was joy in heaven. I had a grandmother. I remember the last time I saw her, she was in the hospital, very, very, very sick. And she put her hand on my head. In those days, they called me Pete. And she said, Pete, I'm praying that you'll be saved and you'll be my preacher, boy. I wasn't saved then. When I went to her funeral, I knew if I died, I'd go to hell. But the day I gave my heart to Christ, I'm sure there was joy in the presence of the angels of God because a prayer was answered. There are loved ones in the glory whose dear forms we often miss. When we close our earthly story, will we join them in their bliss? One by one, their seats were emptied. One by one, they went away. Now the circle has been broken. Will it be complete one day? You can picture happy gatherings around the fireside long ago, and you think of tearful partings when they left you here below, will the circle be unbroken by and by in the sky? Years ago, D.L. Moody, whose birthday was yesterday, was preaching in Chicago. At the end of the service, a young man stood up and said, Mr. Moody, could I say a word before the meeting closes? He said, yes, say on. The man came to the front and said this, I grew up in a Christian home. My mother and dad read the Bible to me and prayed. Many, many times they urged me to give my heart to Jesus, and I wouldn't. My heart was hard, bitter. My daddy got sick. He died. All of us were hurt. After the funeral, when we came back home, my mother begged me to take my daddy's place at the family altar and read the Bible and lead us in prayer. But my heart was bitter, hard. I wouldn't do it. Finally, sometimes when I'd come in late at night, I'd hear my mother sobbing, praying, calling my name in prayer. When I couldn't stand it any longer, I left home, went to a distant city. I wasted my life there. And after some months, word came that mother was sick. I should go home and see her. And I thought I'd go home and cheer my lonely mother's heart. But then I remembered if I go home, I'll have to give myself to my mother's God. I won't do it. Sometime later, word came, if you expect to see your mother again, you must come immediately. She's dying. I got on the fastest transportation, went back to that little country village, got out, had to walk through the countryside by the churchyard where Daddy was buried. I thought I'll stop by Daddy's grave for just a moment. I went out there. The moon was shining through the cypress trees. 
and I knelt there by my daddy's grave. I looked over, and I saw a new mound, fresh earth. And then, then I knew I was too late. That was mother's grave, and she was gone. I knelt there that night and gave myself away to my mother's God. Oh, if there's somebody here who has someone who cares for your lost soul, come quickly while there's time. And my challenge to us all is this. Do we care? Do we care about souls? Do we care enough to love differently, to live differently? Do we care enough to put our lives on the line? Do we have somebody on our heart? We can say, Lord, if you could let me have a little time, I'll go and try to reach that soul for Christ. Let's close our eyes, please, in prayer. With every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. How much do we care? How much do we really care? Our Father, we pray that the Holy Spirit will speak to hearts here today. And may some who have concern and care upon their hearts for souls be willing to lodge that care and concern in a commitment to you to say, Lord, I care enough to pray. I care enough to live a godly life. I care enough to try to learn how to reach lost souls and to go in Jesus' name. I care, Lord. Help thou my cold heart. With our heads still bowed and eyes closed, I'd like to ask you to think of somebody, maybe a mother, maybe a daddy, maybe a husband or a wife or a son or a daughter or a neighbor, somebody in your Sunday school class or somebody for whom you have prayed. You have somebody on your heart. I'd like to ask you if that person's really on your heart to just come and share that request. I'm going to ask Jim to come and sing Rescue the Perishing, Care for the Dying, Snatch them in pity from sin in the grave while we all remain with our heads bowed. And I'm going to be standing at the front. We remain seated. Please keep your heads bowed and eyes closed and pray. If you have someone on your heart, I'd like to ask you to come and whisper that one's name. And then I have a little card here. I'd like to ask you to put that person's name on a card. Address too, if you know it. Somebody that you're praying for. Somebody you care about. Somebody you want to see saved. And you would say, by the grace of God, I'll do what I can. I'll live differently. I'll love differently. I'll pray. I'll try to learn how to win souls. Because I care. That's the first part of this invitation. I'm going to stand here at the front while Jim sings. Remain seated. If you have somebody on your heart, you come by.
whisper that name to me. Will you do it?